Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week, I have Rotary International Vice President Nikki Scott with me. That's right. How cool is that? She is the right-hand woman of our President Jennifer Jones, and she spoke to me from her cottage there on a beautiful sunny day in the UK. So join me, won't you? I'm super excited. I have Rotary International Vice President Nikki Scott joining me today, and I'm so glad you've joined us as well. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I have an international director on this week. She's also Rotary International's Vice President. That is right. Nikki Scott is joining me from her cottage in England. And I am so honored. This is officially my third international vice president that I am talking to, but my very, very first one who is literally the all-female buddy system to uh, Jennifer <laughs> Jones. Thank you so much for being on the show, Madam Vice President. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Gwen. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Yes, my little cottage in the Cotswolds, England. Yes, the Cotswolds. So for those of us Yanks who, you know, basically have not been there, but have a lot of friends that have seen, I I got I got a glimpse of the cottage, everyone, and uh, through the beauty of Zoom, and it's a lovely day. So... <laughs> Charming, as we would say. It was charming. Yeah, I was going to say all that fog and bog and all the what if it it isn't going on in in your your neck of the woods today. So thank you for going out of the sun and joining us. (laughs) My pleasure. So before we get to, uh, you know, you and your rotary story, your story right now is that you are an international director and, as I jokingly said, you are our Madam Vice President to our first Madam President. And we are just about, as we're recording this, about a month and a half into your your both high-profile positions. How are you doing so far? How are you hanging in there? Well, <laughs> fantastic. You know, I I had to be knocked over by a, with a feather. I could have been knocked over with a feather, but uh, Jen very kindly invited me to serve as a vice president because I said to her, wow, you know, this is going to be the first time the Rotary World's had a female president. Are you sure they're ready for two? <laughs> I know, that it, yeah, that was a big one because we've had we've had other females in your position, but yeah. not a not a duo. Yeah, but so, she, she was, she was, you know, she just said, look, you know, I just, regardless of agenda, I really, of gender, I really do believe I want the right people in the right place. So clearly that was very flattering and I am hugely honoured to serve in this role and will do whatever I can to help make a difference and support Jen in her very important work this year. And she does say that. She has said that on the uh, the interview to me that, you know, she got the job because she earned it, not because she was a woman. And I totally agree. However, for Rotary, this is an all-female top of the chain. For the first time, it, it, it's it got to feel different in one way. And do you think that that 
it makes sense? Do you think she's even being a little radical, putting you both up there, whether you deserve it or not? I think is it was a, a bold radical? move, but then Jen yes, doesn't take bold moves. She doesn't that is true. bold moves. And I, I do think, you know, we have um, a lot of alignment in what we hope to um, bring to the world of Rotary to the extent you can in one year. Obviously, we we both think longer term as well. Um, I had the opportunity to work with Jen on the strategic planning committee when we created our long term vision and our action priorities. So, I think there, you know, that that gives us a lot of comfort knowing that we are looking out to achieve similar things and uh, help move move Rotary in a similar direction. So, hopefully. That adds up to something that translates to a tangible difference at the end of this year. Now, we know she's on the move uh, as we're recording this. I believe she's in India. I say that with a tilt of my head because her calendar moves very quickly. Has your calendar increased in the last six weeks, I would say, since you since you took office or is this the calm before the storm for you? Well, Gwen, actually it's the latter. It is the latter. It's the calm before the storm. So I have had the pleasure of getting some very nice invites, but actually in July, I've, I've had a really, really lovely time celebrating some downtime with my children and some friends who have been around. So, but it's been really helpful actually to step back and and take some time to think as well. Because sometimes when you're constantly on the go, you don't get that time to stand back and and right. think a little bit more laterally. So it's been a beautiful combination of both. And in in what's been very luckily one of the most amazing summers that we've had here in England. So yeah, I'm feeling, feeling like I'm cheating the system or something right I, now. So so it it picks up soon. So if if you're at liberty to tell us about some of the stuff that's happening in your life uh in the next couple of months, what you're saying it's the calm before the storm. What's the storm? Well, yes, I don't know that there's a storm. I mean, I, storm sounds like it's dark and stormy and, and dark and stormy night. Yes, <laughs> it's just busyness, isn't it? So you know, we kick into um, institute seasons. Um, I'm very fortunate to be co-convening um, what was traditionally called an institute, but rebranded now because I like to. I like I'm all yes. about the future of Rotary and rebranding, and of course, that's another. Um, thing that Jen and I had in common because she did all that work around rebranding Rotary. But mm-hmm. we are trying to, to make Rotary a lot more relevant to those who don't know about Rotary. And, you know, we all know it's fantastic, right? This is an amazing right. organization. But a lot of the people on the uh, on the outside don't necessarily get quite as how great we are. So we're actually holding an action summit in Iceland. And uh, wow. that is an incredible country that is so far ahead in terms of environment and the work they're doing to protect the environment and also diversity, equity and inclusion. So very excited to be hosting that there. And actually we'll be seeing Jen there. So she's going to be, she's going to yes. be well. I, I think Iceland is this little sweet spot as it is a place I've always wanted to go visit. I have, I'm very honored to have some friends and acquaintances there and I haven't made it yet. So Fun. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to go on that bucket list. And that's what I'm hoping is it's on a few people's bucket lists and we can we can provide the opportunity to come. And we're, we're calling it an action summit because we're doing it a little differently. You know, a lot of the times we we go to great events, but you never get outside the hotel. 
So, you know, and that's that's a little daunting. And, and well, I'm Houston was hot in Houston's defense. I did sometimes leave. there's a benefit. You're right. Sometimes there is a benefit of not going outside. I did sure. learn that in Houston. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, but uh, in this case, we we really are looking to spend some time outside outside of the hotel walls anyway. And we're going to work with the local Rotarians in Iceland to go and visit projects and go and actually vis- see the work and maybe even talk about collaborating. And, you know, we're all about increasing our impact. So the more we collaborate and the more we get outside and, and talk about specific things we can do together, then the more likely we are to drive drive something that's of significance. Yeah. So that's so- the idea. You know, I, I, before we went on air, I, you were, we were talking about the, the podcast that, that Rotary is, is putting out there now. And it, it is magazine. It's from the magazine. It's beautifully done, as we'd mentioned. But one thing that the article about Jennifer that, that went out, and I promise you will not overshadow, we definitely want to know about you. But there is one thing that was talked about, and that is that, that Jennifer is bringing in almost a, a new energy or a new approach. And it and it seems to always hang on the idea that's because she's a woman. Okay. Mm. And you, as her VP, are as we've already talked about, are also a woman. And it seems that these areas of focus are very forward thinking and very maybe more on the compassionate side, maybe more on the future side, maybe more on the feminine side do you think that do you think that is actually true it's something that's been brought up actually in emails is that there is a kinder kinder gentler maybe even a more hominess in the way you two are approaching leadership well I think anyone who knows us both would say that yes we're both very similar in our the warmth that we tend to to go about leadership. So warmth being, you know, we're big huggers. You know, we we exude a lot of passion. You know, it's it's hard to keep our energy controlled because we're very high energy people. So, um, and I I think you know I often get told, oh my gosh, you're so passionate, and I'm I'm like, oh, am I supposed to apologize for that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <Oops. laughs> yeah, I, I happen to be very passionate about Rotary and what we do in the world. So um, I do think there's there is an angle that might be perceived as as potentially less formal. Um, you know, we are a global organization, so we have to adapt wherever whatever culture we're we're in and, and right. hopefully are always respectful of um adapting to those cultures. But I think yes, natural state, I'm a very open, very um warm, inclusive, hopefully fun and uh, passionate person. So I think you, you know, I don't believe in trying to be something you're not. You know, right. you are who you are, no matter whether you're at work whether you're at home or whether you're doing what you love in Rotary. so And maybe we've been too stuffy. Maybe we've been too formal. Sorry, guys. I mean, I love you, but, you know, maybe that has been a problem. I certainly think we can lose a few of the jackets and ties, I think. (laughs) You know, I, I mean, and, and I say that with all respect to my predecessors, there was a time sure. it felt right. But I think if we really are looking to uh, be more approachable and to to be more relevant to those people um, who don't yet know Rotary, who are all prospective Rotarians, as far as I can see. Right. Um, and I think we do need to people like to see themselves in, in an organization that they want to join. So. 
I think the more we can be talking about and working on topics that are of significant relevance to others outside of Rotary, as well as what we're trying to achieve in Rotary, um, and, the, and just be more down to earth if we can, and uh, then I think it just makes it a little easier. And I'm all for making Rotary easier. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I think, you know, I mean, especially after the pandemic, uh, there's there's not a lot of suit and ties out there. No. And I, I think it's say, good, right? No, I mean, ironically, not. the pandemic, you know, Gwen, we know the pandemic was horrendous for so many. And my heart truly goes out to anyone who lost a loved one or was very True. impacted by it themselves. But at the same time, ironically, I think we, we've achieved more in two years in this sort of wave of change in Rotary than we would have done in 10, quite honestly. It's, mm-hmm. it's connected us. It's shown us that we don't have walls around our clubs or our districts or even our countries. We can hop all over the world. Look at this. Right. You are interviewing me via Zoom. Right. And you, there you are on the Pacific uh, coast and I'm right here in the Cotswold. So it's opening up all sorts of new ways of doing and looking at and engaging with Rotary. And I find that very exciting. Well, we're going to talk more about your VP, but one thing that's always uh, really nice is to, you know, and, and what people send me emails about is getting to know these these leaders and these Rotarians. And so there's always the the first question that we always ask, which is, what's your earliest recollection of Rotary? How did you get in? How did you become a Rotarian? Okay, so this is a good one for me. So <laughs> I um. I left England when I was 28 and six months pregnant to move to the U.S. in Los Angeles area because my husband uh, was going to do an MBA at USC. How's that for a few acronyms? Well, being so, from being from UCLA, I'll hold. I won't hold that against you. Oh, okay, you know, okay. but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I just followed along, and I'd always wanted to travel. I always felt like I was a global citizen. Is the truth of it? I don't know for whatever reason, if it's past lives or what it is, but I always felt I needed to travel. And my husband Will was born and raised in Zambia, and so I thought, oh, there's a good, you know, he travels a lot. So sure yeah. enough, we ended up going to um, LA. And it was a pretty intense time. I don't recommend it to anyone out there who anyone's listening to this podcast. If they're pregnant to move continents at the same time, <laughs> it wasn't easy. Let's just be clear. No, you know, six months know, too. So you were you were pregnant, pregnant. I was not, fully pregnant. Yeah. And by the way, I couldn't get insurance when I got there because, you know, I was very clearly preconditioned. So there was no yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was a it was a real wrench, and I was in a fast paced corporate world when I left. I lived I worked for KPMG in corporate finance, and it was real sort of intense work. And so I sort of took maternity leave, thinking I know I can't go back to that world really, not with babies. Right. So I had you know I had a good sort of two and a half to three yeah four years maybe. I couldn't work when I got to the states, and it's amazing how much of your identity gets tied up in the work you do. I mean, that was a real eye opener to me. So, so yeah, so it was a little isolating and, um, but you know, it was, it was a very incredible time and very exciting in many ways. And I, I love traveling. I love learning different cultures. Fast forward, Will finished his MBA. It was only a one year degree and he got recruited to Chicago. um, To another amazing city. Fantastic city, which just so happens to be the headquarters of Rotary. I was going to um, say, yeah. 
I didn't know that at the time. We lived in a suburb called Naperville and uh, <laughs> I started putting my toes back into work after my daughter was born. So I have two children, Sam and Chloe. Chloe's about two and a half years old and I thought, I've got to get back to work. You know, I've got to do something here. And um, I was lucky enough to go to a conference of uh, an organizer. Oh, you'll love this. So I, I didn't know how to get to work because I, I didn't have a working visa. And um, I found this organization called Female, which sounds terribly feminist, but it was formerly employed mothers at loose ends. That's what it was. I met this amazing woman called Pam. I joined her. She got me a visa to work for her. And I know I'm very long answer on one question, but eventually we created this organization called Sage Seeking Advice, Growth and Excellence. Which is better than the, not nearly as feministic kind of sounding. Yeah, no, better no burning the bras. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and I went to the local chamber and I said, I'd really like to meet the movers and shakers in town. And he said, well, get in line. Everybody else does too. And, but what are you trying to do? So he very kindly introduced me to some of them. And um, because we were looking to create this organization to help themselves, one of them invited me to Rotary. And right oh, away, bless their heart. There you go. <laughs> right away, I felt I had immediate community. And I think to somebody who was in a different continent with no family, right? that sense of community, and not just community, but community centered on the same values, mm. it was like, wow, I'm home. This is where I'm supposed to be. Right. And sure, I, I joined for networking. That's true. I did. But you soon get that taste for service and it soon gets under your skin and you think, wow, this is a real sense of purpose, way beyond a job, you know? So that's when I got hooked. That's how I got hooked. And do you think that's how most people are getting hooked these days? I mean, that's, I think I have to say that the last Rotarian, I am officially a past president of my group as of July. Um, well, congratulations. So, thank, thank you. you. Yes. I've, I've been, I've been told by more than one, it's the, you're going to be your favorite pin is the pin that says past president. Um, and it is one of my favorites, but yeah. I have found that the last, you know, five or six members that came into my group, one didn't wear ties or jackets mm-hmm. and two were not necessarily about the networking. In fact, they would know them as, you know, Celia or Bob or Nick or Bill, not that that's the guy who manages the bank. And that's the woman over there that runs the city council. And that's the, they were known on first name basis. And it was really all about the service that they all did together. And yes. oh, by the way, not about the vocation. Is that is that what you're finding more and more? And it sounds like that's what attracted you. Well, I don't think we talk enough about our vocation in Rotary, if I'm honest. I think, okay. Rotary, I mean, if you go back to the principles on which we were built, um, Paul Harris, you know, he was a bit of a traveler and a little lost when he landed in Chicago and he wanted a few friends and a, a sense of community based on similar values, very similar, you know, I resonated with that. Mm-hmm. And so he brought people of different vocations in deliberately so that he could work with people he trusted and had similar values. And, and the thing with the reason I say I don't think we talk about it enough, Gwen, is we don't spend enough time finding out who these incredible people are in our clubs, right? Or in the, in wherever we meet Rotarians, we mm-hmm. often talk about the work we do, but we don't find out what skill sets and what experience those people are bringing to the table. So as you'll probably find out in this conversation, I'm huge, hugely interested in leadership development. And I think something that we're missing a trick on in Rotary is to help people build their leadership skills. I mean, I have 
I have grown leaps and bounds by taking on leadership roles in Rotary. I didn't come here for that, but it's been an enormous what's in it for me. And I, you know, you go to our vision statement, right? And of course I can quote that off heart because I Go ahead, it. quote it. Go Together ahead. we see a world where people unite and take action to create lasting change across the globe, in our communities and in ourselves. And I fought hard as well as others on the team to keep that last part of the triad because yes, we're about service above self, but I think there's so much we get out of it ourselves. You're asking me about my Rotary story and, and I can't even begin to tell you in a short space of time what a gift Rotary's been to my life and to my children's lives. And, you know, I don't think we share that enough. So it's honed my skill sets. Those skill sets have been skills I can use in the workplace as well as actually at home, you know, and I, I'm a big believer that it's hard when you're trying in a leadership position to give people opportunities for leaders, leadership roles, but you never know who's out there. There's so mm -hmm. many amazing people out there, but unless we share the experience, how do we make sure we put the right people in the right place that's going to help them grow, benefit all of those around them and benefit those we serve? So if only we talked about it more, then hopefully we could have a bit more of a open application process that allowed people to come to the table, even if they're quieter and unassuming versus just, oh, I know somebody because I've, you know, they were, they were in the same room as me last week. I could put their name forward. So this is a part of, I think, the transformation in leadership. It's not just tapping people on the shoulder who happen to be friends, but really giving people opportunities to grow. Well, and this has come up in conversation before with other guests that that should we brag or shouldn't we brag? Should mm. we tell people we're in Rotary or shouldn't we tell people in Rotary? And, and I have to say, I will speak for myself that it's only been in the past year that I've said, well, in, you know, we did this stuff in Rotary because in my experience, I, you're in Rotary. I get that. Like you guys are in Rotary. What, why are you in Rotary? It does open it up to conversation, but sometimes it's an exhausting conversation because it's like, yes, I'm in Rotary. We are an international organization. Da, 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 da. I mean, so the question is, do we not brag enough? And if we do brag, are we up against such a preconceived notion of what Rotary is, especially here in, in North America, where it's just, sorry to all my gray haired old men, where it's just a whole bunch of check writing gray haired old men concede because I am obviously not a gray-haired old man. <laughs> well, and I think there's so much effort and there's so much desire to change that, but it's how do you do it? You know, because it's that public perception is so important. So if we always right. keep to ourselves and don't share these stories, then how is anyone ever going to know any difference? And Great Britain and Ireland, where I am, you know, we have two thirds of our members over 80 years old, eight, zero years old. I mean, God bless them. They have done enormous work. Right. But yes, it, it's predominantly male. And, you know, they're with their friends in their club and they love what they do. And it's great what they do. But the gap's too big now. You know that phrase in England, mind the gap. The gap's so big, you know, it's going to be very hard to bridge that gap. So we've, we're looking to really do whatever we can to grow a, a new rotary around the existing rotary. I, I I showed you that I live in the countryside here and I walk through the woods quite often and love being out in nature. And I get a lot of inspiration from there. And it's great for de-stressing at the same time. Forest bathing. Forest bathing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a really good way to de-stress. And um, I always talk about how there's all these huge trees and they're they're really wise and they're old. They've been there a long time and that's fantastic. Those are like our traditional clubs who are still doing great work in, in the Rotary world. But if you look at the forest floor, there's always new saplings growing. And those trees need to allow room for those new saplings to grow. Otherwise, the wood isn't healthy. So that's and don't even get me started on the mushrooms that are on this. We can take that into several directions. We can, sure. we can have metaphors going all over forestry now. But but yeah, I mean, I, I get you. I mean, I was actually even approached. Uh, my partner was even approached that, you know, we don't necessarily say the pledge of allegiance anymore and that mm. very much shocked him mm. and we do not have a prayer which also mm. shocked him well one we're not religious so that one was pretty easy but you know I, I and the the belief under the pledge of allegiance is that we are rotary international mm-hmm. so how can we give a pledge of allegiance to only one country well, it was interesting you say that, Gwen, because I must admit, as somebody who was born and raised here in England, when I first came to the States and joined Rotary, even at multinational events, it was always the Pledge of Allegiance. And I just thought, wait, there's more than just in U.S. in the world. <laughs> yeah. We'd often have a lot of youth exchange students from all sorts of different countries. Like, right. well, yeah, we've got to give that opportunity. But I think that that fact we're non-political and non-religious is truly at the heart of how we get so much done in the world. And, you know, you talk about my Rotary journey, one of the most impactful moments for me as a, as a Rotarian, we talk about anyone can join a Rotary club, but when did you become a Rotarian? You know, there was right. moments what was your it really, moment? Right. Mm-hmm. Really hit you hard. And, and, you know, there's been so many along the way, to be honest, but one I particularly remember and is coming up right now was when I had the opportunity to go to India and do a national immunization day. And I know that's not something everyone gets an opportunity to do, but it was incredible to go and help save children's lives with polio drops. There's no doubt about that. And it, as far I met Valerie Wafer, actually, we were on the same trip. There you go. And um, so, yeah, so that was, you know, she was vice president last year. So yeah, she's been on the show. We've had a a joy to talk to her as well. Yeah. Rotary makes the world so much smaller. I often say that. And uh, anyway, as well as having that chance to do that, there was an international conference with the prime minister of, of India saying, inviting the leaders of Nigeria, Pakistan and Afghanistan and saying, if we can do it, so can you. And at that conference, which was huge, Ravi Ravindran, so past president Ravi stood up on the stage and talked about how he realized Sri Lanka had to achieve this eradication of polio, because if they didn't, what chance did India stand? You know, right. you think about your maps in school, that little island down there on the exactly. Coast, you know, he said, I've realized. And so he said, we have to do this. And everyone said, well, there's no way in Sri Lanka because there's the Tamil tigers in the mountains. And he said, well, I'm going to write to the head of the Tamil Tigers then. And I well, you can't write to a terrorist. What are you talking about? <laughs> but he, he did. And he stood there in that, in that amazing conference centre and he held a letter up and he said, this is what they said. Our war is not against the children. You tell us when you want us to down our weapons. You tell us when you want to come and we will down our weapons. And I just, I just thought, wow, what other organisation in the world could achieve that? So... This is where our passion builds. When you when you get exposed to that, those sort of transformational moments, it's amazing. Well, I, I have to say in advance to our, our listeners, thank you for like 
already answering a, a big bunch of the questions that I was going to ask you, but there is one question that, that uh, you haven't already answered, which is awesome. Makes my job so much easier. I'm sorry. I told you. No, it was, no, no, it was perfect. I'm like, okay, she hit that one. Um, we try to often include a question about the four-way test. You know, mm-hmm. you already touched about service above self, but we have this four-way test and it's become over the years of doing this podcast, a very interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's for everything from the well, we don't even own the copyright guy who did Walgreens, like wrote it and, you know, fair to all concern may not always be what you want, but is it fair? That's something I always talk about. Um, we, you know, the first few words always get flown by of the things that we think say or do those people always kind of do that part really fast. Yeah. Do you, do you follow the four-way test? Is it a part of your life? Yeah, see, I love the way you phrased that. You said, is it a part of your life? Because as you were framing the question, that's immediately where my mind goes. As a Rotarian, I don't believe I'm just a member of a club. I I believe I'm a member of a global movement. and, and, And it's a way of life that I am choosing. And our club where I joined, Naperville Sunrise Club, God bless them, they, they did so much to, to <laughs> give me an opportunity to get started in Rotary. And um, we used to say the four-way test every single meeting. That's how we yeah. closed the meeting. Is it, you know, is it the truth? Is it fed all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it yeah. be beneficial to all, all concerned? And I, I loved that because it stayed with me for the week. It stayed with me for the week and it anchors you. And you know, in, in my corporate life, I've always done a lot around values and behaviors that evidence the values. And I think, you know, you, you feel best in life when you're surrounded by people with similar values, when you're making your decisions aligned to your values. And I think that's what the four-way test gives us. It gives us that sort of compass of saying, are these, are, am I making a decision in accordance with the values of Rotary? Because this four-way test is the synopsis of the outcome, you know, um, of living those values. So that's definitely um, my attitude towards it. I, When I came back to England in 2018, I have hardly heard the four-way test mentioned at all. And really? I've heard some people who reference it saying, oh, no, we're not really keen on that because it's used as a way of judging others. You know, it's used as an accusation as opposed we call to... Them, we call them here on the, on the podcast uh, four-way test cops. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's, people misuse it. It's it's an internal instrument to my to my mind. It's something I use to monitor my own behavior, not use it as a sort of filter or a way to judge others. But I do love, if I'm honest, I love adding a fifth one. Okay. I love adding a fifth element. We did this in our club. So it's not my my brilliant original. It's not, it's not your brilliant idea. Okay. No, but we did add at the bottom and we said it every time before we finished the meeting. And it was literally the thing we said before we finished. And it, the last one was, and will it be fun? Yeah. And I fun. think the more we can have fun giving service, the more we can have fun doing whatever we're doing in Rotary, the more likely we're going to, to, to exude passion and have Others want to join us. So the more fun we have, the better, even though there's some very difficult subjects that we look to solve in the world. Well, and I think I think sometimes silliness is thought is is I think silliness is having a comeback. 
you know, I think, you know, I mean, I know I my, right. It's, yeah. I think yeah. silliness is having a comeback. I mean, we have yeah. a, you know, my particular, I have a small group, you know, we're just, you know, a little over 35 people in our group, but we had to feed almost 300 people this big meal this last week. And it was silly and it was jokey and it was fun. I mean, I yeah. was exhausted afterwards, <laughs> but I, I, you know, hadn't laughed that hard in a very long time. And so well, is it fun? Is, you're right. I mean, absolutely. You know, there's so many heavy issues going on in the world, but why right. not have some moments of elevation and, and silliness? I love that. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. I have a few more questions and I'll let you get back to your beautiful sunshine. You have talked about leadership a lot. You said, quote, that you are passionate about leadership. And one of the questions that we that I, I bring to the table a lot is how do you think Rotary can grow? I know Tom Gump could have just had a whole interview, Mr. Mr. Membership himself. A past oh, he's guy. extraordinary how he starts. <laughs> I mean, he can do it overnight in his he sleep. Can. Let's yeah. have a Rotary Club for people who yeah. like podcasts. I mean, it's definitely out there. But I but I think it's, you know, we've talked about how it's different today or different in different cultures and using the brand center. And we've talked about all that kind of stuff. But how, how do we build in that gap? What is the, how can we grow Rotary and how can Rotary look in the future? Yeah. Gosh, I like this question, Gwen. Okay. I, I'll try and be conscious of not going on too long, but yeah, I, no I, worries. I'm sure, I'm so, sure, I'm sure our, our audience is, is glued to their ears. They're good. They're good. I had a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to address the international assembly audience of all the incoming governors. And I spoke on the concept of this leadership development and why I'm so passionate about it. And I basically said that I think I'm addicted to self-actualization, which all that means is, you know, I have this philosophy. I, I know Stephen Covey's out there with his ever increasing circles of influence. Well, yeah, my, whatever. Yeah. My <laughs> personal <laughs> take on that is actually it's ever, in, ever increasing circles of ignorance because the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. So I you don't I just, know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So I have this constant need of just, I, I think that's a basic human desire, and it is for me anyway. And I think we don't sell that enough. So if you look at the, you know, we talk about getting younger, younger professionals into Rotary all the time, or younger professionals maybe isn't even the right word, just younger leaders. You know, right. and I believe leadership is leadership by mindset not leadership by stripes earned in in the workplace or whatever you're doing. And, you know, you can't be a leader until you're 45 and you've earned goodness knows how many titles. I believe in leadership by mindset. My children were leaders from very early ages. My daughter's off to change the world when she was 18, you know. So, um, you know, I think that's that's a really exciting concept. Now, what I do know, and just from the research I've done and the interest I have, is, is that younger people, and my children, by the way, now are not children at all. They're 28 and 25. And, you know, if they get into a job, it's it really doesn't last much longer than two to two and a half years. A lot of that is actually a, a global norm, is right. time in any one job. So if you think about the corporate world, I was fortunate to raise, be raised with KPMG, and I got incredible training, incredible training in that five years I was with KPMG, but for the corporate world to invest enormously in training now when people aren't going to stay, it's 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 too much of a cost that's going out the window. Absolutely. So yeah. The cost, you know, the corporate world is focusing more and more on how do they attract and retain these younger individuals? Well, guess what? I believe that these things are con there's a confluence 
occurring, right? Children of my kids' age, young adults, 28, 25, consider themselves to be global citizens. They're connected to the world. They always have been. They don't think myopically. They think very big. And they feel like they're just as easily at home wherever they go. Now, maybe we're very fortunate that we've traveled a lot. So I don't necessarily, please don't, I hope that's not insulting to anyone who doesn't get that opportunity. But, you know, the internet connects us no matter what, right? Right. And our phones. So they they think differently. You know, you've got global corporations becoming much more triple bottom line thinking. They're not just thinking about profit anymore. They're thinking about the profit and the planet and their people. And they're investing more in those things and, and putting their profits towards that and giving back and a so greater societal impact. So, you know, if that's the case and they're looking to retain these global citizens, isn't it ideal? Because if they declare a cause, that's what motivates these younger, you know, younger people. They want to come and know what, I, what they're doing. And it may not be making the widgets of the plane for the company they work for. It might be that that same company is having an environmental impact and, and right. a cause they're supporting. Well, if you throw rotary into the mix, right? Through throw in rotary. Corporation that raises the money, they want to attract and retain global citizens. Here comes rotary. Hey, by the way, we've got a lovely foundation that you could leverage and multiply your money you're raising. These are the causes we work with. Mm-hmm. You probably your cause is probably very aligned to the ones that we work with. And by the way, we can give your, your employees an immediate connection with a global network of 1.4 million around the world of people of action. Sounds like sure. a no-brainer. It's right. a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I was joking with Shaker last year, you know, instead of one, each one bring one, how about each one bring one company? Let's see if we can get the, you know, let's see if we can take Rotary to organizations and say, look, we can offer all of this leadership development. And that's the other piece I forgot to say. The leadership development that these employees would get through joining Rotary, that the company wouldn't then have to, to invest in themselves. And by the way, wherever those those employees get transferred into in the world, they're taking care of people. There's like another Rotary group. Circle, yeah. that there's a community there when they land, you know, and that's right. what I needed when I landed in a different continent. And that's all on offer. So, so I think there's a lot of there. I, and, I, and I love the idea. And I think that's a way to, to build the gap, especially in the corporation. I mean, I, I'm reaching out to you, Mr. Ga- Mr. Bill Gates, because you seem to have a, a couple of corporations that you know about that I think a Microsoft Rotary Group would be lovely. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have to say that that you're talking very hip. You're talking very, you know, this is it. I love it. I'm, you're not and, and you're and you're kind of preaching to the choir. Because we're here talking on a pod on an international podcast. I have Rotarians that don't still don't know how to use Club Runner and think that Facebook is for the kids. So and would and are not. I do not have of all the thousands of downloads that I have. I do not have one point four million Rotarians, you know, who tune into this podcast. Right. They did, but they don't because they don't even know what a podcast is. Right. So, you know, how are we going to get this to trickle down? And this is a question that I've asked a lot of leadership in Rotary. How do we get this to trickle down? If you're still Mm -hmm. competing against folks that want to do the Pledge of Allegiance and folks that still want to have prayer, or I've even talked to a Rotarian in Germany that has all men German clubs. 
going to be oh, interesting yes. when you and Jennifer walk through the door. Yeah. Some of in England. I mean, you know, oh, it is a big, it is a big question, Gwen. And I think, you know, we are trying to bring a huge culture change here in Great Britain and Ireland to take away this resistance to change, to, to try and say, look, we, we can't stay the same and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity, right? According to right. Most, you've got to do something differently. And I think I'm going to try and answer your question very specifically. Something I don't think we do very well is when people join Rotary or Rotaract for that matter, they join a club and they don't realize that they've joined the enormous world of Rotary at exactly the same time for no extra money. And nobody takes trouble to tell them that. Mm. So they get to shape their whole belief structure and their experience of Rotary from the basis of that club. And unless they choose or elect to go and do something different, like go to an international convention or go to a district event, they can remain of the opinion that Rotary is their club. You know, they don't see, they don't choose to see, and nobody takes the time to tell them. I think the internet, and the reason I talked about the pandemic helping us, I think that has truly helped people see beyond their club in ways that they never had an opportunity to do before. And by the way, it's not at all discriminatory against any budget because you can hop online for free. Right. So I think the way to make it happen is to do better orientations of people when they join. People often join without really realizing what they're joining, you know, and that's sadly why sometimes they leave because the passion they came to the table with isn't tapped into and people are in their mode operations as usual, you know, business as usual. We do this fundraiser and you need to join that committee. And right. nobody asks them a question. Nobody asks them a question. Why did you join? What would you like to do? How can your skills go back to the question about asking people what their vocations are? How can right. your skills contribute to what this club is trying to achieve? And or is there something else you'd like? And by the way, if your passion is that, you might not be better in our club. You might be better in the club down the road because your skills and your passions are more aligned to what they're doing. But we have this, oh, let's get them in our club and keep them here and not tell them about any other clubs because then they might go somewhere else. You know? Right. At, the, at, at my presidential citation, I may have lost members. And then that that looks bad. It's a reflection on me or. Yeah. But well, if we just had an attitude, as long as people are in Rotary, it's all good. It doesn't matter which club they're in, you know, as long as they're in Rotary. Well, and 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 I will have to say that well, right. a definitely mutual friend of ours, Brian Rush, when he was asked about uh, when we when we were at conference together, and I was helping him with one of his one of his uh, breakouts, there was a woman there that was just like, if we do all of this stuff, you know, if we do this diversity and this equity and then inclusion, and I'm and and I've got members that are saying we're becoming too woke and all this other kind of stuff, you know. What's going to happen if we have members leave? And Brian said, we're not going to lose Rotarians. We're going to lose members, not Rotarians. Mm. That's quite profound. That's very, it goes back to what I said earlier about anyone can be a member of a club, but Mm -hmm. when do they become a Rotarian? And, And that's a personal decision. That's the decision that only that individual can influence is, you know, I'm going to decide this is a way of life for me. And I, th- I think also when we come back to, you know, you can't have one size fits all. I'm a big proponent about thinking about regionalization of Rotary because, you know, we've stayed very stagnant for so long. And it's because we try and make decisions around that Rotary International Board table that that on the basis that everyone's 
the got same. the same needs and and, right. got, and all the same, they're just not you know different right. reasons I mean Africa many countries in Africa let's not talk about Africa as if it is one country but it's a continent but it's many <laughs> it's, countries yeah Africa yeah that are booming in terms of you know younger people and rotor actors that's not the case here in England so we have to do different things in different places and equally we have to offer different ways to engage with rotary and I think that's where these cause-based clubs are taking off like crazy and that's where Tom Gump's work is really becoming a much easier way of starting a club you know people want to know what they're engaging with and where their money's going and if it's aligned to their passion because there's so much on offer you know, if we're just generalists, where's our identity in that? Mm-hmm. You know, so it is, it's, it's like offer people different ways and different choices. Yes. Cause mm-hmm. we're not all the same. Hence the word international. Yeah. No, our I, individualisms, right. And then will come from the fact that all of those individualisms are celebrated. So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, okay. I got, I got, one more question for you, very off uh, tongue in cheek, however, and that is, you want to be president someday? Oh my goodness! As you know, <laughs> it's such a hard question. That you could I mean, be I mean, the second female. Que- you know, it, it would be nice if oh, we had. There's a, there's a very strong um, potential female presidents coming up as well. So um, I'm sure there'll there'll be more along along the way very shortly. But you know, I I don't tend to look at Rotary as a goal of where I'm going. I try to just be fully in the moment. So, and then you just, then you just go with where it's taking you. And, and I must admit, I am very fortunate that Rotary has taken me to amazing places, but I, hopefully that's, that's because I put my whole heart into it. And if that leads down the road to other opportunities, then I'm sure I'm not going to say no. I'm not very good at saying no, but I don't think it's something that I would necessarily say, yes, I've got my sights on doing that by this time. That's that's not the way it works. I think, you know, you have to be the right person in the right place at the right time. So, okay. All right. I'll, I'll, that's, that's been recorded. So when, when I interview you as Madam President, then I'm going to say, well, remember, because you said, <laughs> you said you didn't want to. All right. Then I get, to I don't know when I'm going to turn the passion for rotary off, Gwen. So who knows? Okay. Who knows? Who knows? So then we'll get to the very last question, which is always called the pit, the pitch question. And that is we're riding in an elevator. It's called the elevator pitch, you know, and someone notices uh, your rotary pin, as you see in mine, I have this year's theme on today. Um, Someone notices you have a rotary pin on and goes, rotary, what's that? Why ever would I want to join rotary? What do you tell them? Well, what I do tell them, literally, I mean, I I wear a pin sometimes in a supermarket, <laughs> wherever it is, but right. sticking to your elevator, I literally do say it's the best decision I've ever made. And then I pause because then they're like, oh, oh, why? You know, now I've got their attention. Mm-hmm. If I just kick into, you know, oh, well, it's an organization, there's 1.4. It's like, it's very quick easy to turn someone off when you start giving facts and figures and <laughs> or you or you talk about your club that's meals aren't great you know you meet on a Tuesday night and the chicken isn't always great you know nobody's had a clue what rotary chickens is. <laughs> so I just say it's the best decision I've ever made wait and then I, they say why and I said because it's been the gift that never stops giving in my life and it's given me such a sense of purpose in, in helping me do something way more significant in the world than I could ever do alone. 
Yeah. Well, I'll ditto that statement. Absolutely. Uh, Vice President Ms. Scott, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It has been such an honor to meet you. And, and I, I hope to, to see that, to see that cottage someday and know that you're welcome to forest bathe out here in the Pacific Northwest here. Uh, <laughs> anytime you wish. Redwoods out there. I know we you do. do. We have, you know, in big cedars and we also have a guest house. So if that has higher ceilings than your 16, 1680. Yes, you do have to. Den- you, it is dangerous here. There are some very low beams. That's there are sure. some low beams. So please, and please when, if I see you again, don't call me Miss Scott. Call me Nikki. <laughs> I can't Makes me feel way too old. Okay. So well, that's Nikki. the that's the official title, and then you can take off that rotary hat real quickly, quickly, and we'll just call you Nikki. It's been an honor to have you on the show, and thank you so much. Oh well, thank you for asking me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The pleasure is all mine. Every single time I take a moment and do these interviews, I just get prouder and prouder of being a Rotarian. And the whole idea that we have Nikki Scott as VP feels pretty darn good. And hey, what did you think of that whole leadership as a mindset comment? interesting, huh? Well, I do hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, hey, tell a friend. We talked about that too. Come on, brag a little. We're super cool and we should let everybody know. You can get the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Of course, rate us and subscribe because that helps others find us. And if you'd like to be in touch with my more musical side, check me out on the radio there in the UK. I'm on Rotary Radio. UK. Until next week, take care of yourself, take care of the world around you, and we'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Have a wonderful week, everybody.